0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
2: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world, it holds it all together.
4: Without this, life would be meaningless.
1: crazy about it's just music
5: welcome to sound opinions from chicago public radio and american public media i'm jim de the pop music critic at the chicago sun times
2: and i'm greg cutt i write about rock and roll for the chicago tribune today on the world's only rock and roll talk show a bunch
5: of new albums out there and we're excited to talk about some new music Absolutely Greg. TI is probably going to debut at number 1 next week, much anticipated hip hop release. Plus we've got new ones from cult favorites such as Queens of the Stone Age, Spoon and Crowded House. What time
1: is this? I took 10 seconds to get to the dance
2: floor. You're listening to Sound Opinions and time now to welcome our newest affiliate.
5: People may hear that voice, it's Morris Day of the time, and think of Minneapolis, because of course Morris went to high school there, and he met Prince there, part of that key scene in the 80s in the Twin Cities. But, Morris Day was born and raised in Springfield, Illinois, and we're playing him because we're welcoming WUIS at the University of Illinois at Springfield, that's going to start airing us now. Absolutely. Thank you, WUIS
2: you Springfield. We're glad to be on your programming calendar.
5: That is a song called Pump Up the Volume from the second album by the British Quintet Art Group. It's called It's a Bit Complicated.
6: We're taking our clothes off. In the rewarder, are you leaving your shoes on? To make you look taller. And I can't say I'm not. Enjoying the kissing, but I have a sneaky suspicion that you're not really listening. is it so wrong to break from your kiss to turn up a pop song i know i should it. possibly wrong to break from your kiss to turn up a pop song i'm taking it slowly
5: eddie argos the leader of that band singing about uh, being such a music obsessive that he breaks off a kiss To turn up a pop song. I don't know. Can we relate to that? (laughs) We fell in love with this band out of the UK. It made its debut in 2005 with a record called Bang Bang Rock and Roll. Didn't get released officially in the U.S. until last year. Made both of our top ten lists at the end of the year, and they came on the show, and we greatly enjoyed having them. However, if this record sucks, we will be harsh on it in the review portion. Eddie Argos, uh, Can't Sing? And isn't much of a looker. He'll be the first to admit both of those facts. And yet he wanted to form a band. And he did. And uh, there's this cartoonish quality that we fell in love with on the first album where he's basically singing about, I have no talent, but I'm in a band. And you should be too. Everybody should start a band. (laughs) To me, it's as if um, the entire spirit of Nick Hornby's High Fidelity, the novel and the movie that followed, or. Everything Lester Bangs ever wrote has been reincarnated in the persona of this one guy, Eddie Argos, who is doing it, can't believe he's doing it, admits he has no talent, and yet he, he's in a band just because he wanted to and he couldn't imagine not doing it. I love that. The question, I think, on the sophomore album is, was it one joke? You know, where do you go on album number two? Let's play a song. From It's a Bit Complicated by Art Brute. An ironic title because many people would say there was nothing complicated about there. It was all, you know, <laughs> right there and obvious on the first album. Let's see if they've grown. Uh, we're going to play a song called Post Soothing Out. <laughs>
6: Put through. I'm sorry about getting by or making do And every day is just like starting over We try so hard but we keep on falling over Every day is just like starting over We try so hard but we keep on falling over Every day is just like starting over We try We'll keep on falling over You're worried And I have my doubts But I'm drunk on a text So I send those soothing out I just had a nasty flashback We both used our cards for cashback my a full change, and every day it's just like starting over. We try so hard, but we keep on falling over. Every day it's just like starting over. We try so hard, but we keep on falling over. Every day it's just like starting over. We try so hard, but we keep on falling over.
2: Post-Soothing Out from Art Roots second album, it's a bit complicated. Key line in that record, uh, we try so hard, but we keep on falling over. If that is not every schlub right there in Eddie Argos' voice in that one line, that explains his entire outlook on life. He keeps trying, and he's trying, but he never quite gets where he wants to be.
5: It's true. And we love him for it. Uh, he uh, actually know, played that song and, and gave us a taste of it when they came into the studio. What's wonderful about this band is that even though a lot of people think that
2: humor is ironic, Argos is totally sincere about this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think he, he means it, and that's it's what's true. so endearing about this band. What's amped up on the second album, Jim, uh, in comparison to the first one, it's very similar. Uh, it's that scrappy, three-minute song approach, garage rocky guitars. They've amped up some of the hooks. Uh, the vocal harmonies are way up on this record. They've uh, emphasized mm-hmm. the melodies with those backing harmonies. Argos is in still fine, self-deprecating form. He tries and he tries to have these solid relationships, and they keep falling apart on him despite his best efforts. Rock and roll is the one salvation in his life, but yeah. even rock and roll is a little mischievous in this thing. I mean, okay, you're you're going to kiss that girl, and you're and you're sort of swayed by that song playing on the radio. And I You're know. thinking, was well, that is that a good thing <laughs>
5: that I, you're being saved by the rock and roll song? In that, uh, well, particular well, he, he's loving the music so much that he can't concentrate on his lover, <laughs> and and that's the thing. You know, I, I think that this guy is eminently relatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any true music geek has a little. Part of Eddie Argos in them, and he is all of us musically. I think you're right. I think that they have stepped up their game. I think this is a great example of Britpop going back to you know when Blur was at its heyday. You Mm -hmm. know those kind of hooks, but they still have the garage rock thing. You know, as far as I'm concerned, if the Modern Lovers could have kept putting out albums that had songs as good as Roadrunner, I wouldn't have cared if they put out 50 of them. (laughs) It's like the Ramones. It's a great formula. Yeah, it's simple, but if you can give me 50 songs as great as Rockaway Beach or Roadrunner, keep them coming. Yeah. Um, Argos, I I do. You know, he's trying to grow up a little bit. He's trying to look at relationships. I think the song Jealous Guy is a great example where. He's uh, in bed with his girlfriend, and he wants to wake her up to make love to him just because he's insecure that he can't measure up to the other lovers she's had in the past. Right. And because he's so insecure, he's not able to perform, <laughs> and so it's this vicious circle, and the guy is melting down, and he's, but he's laying there in bed next to a beautiful woman, and he's melting down completely out of his own paranoias. And and, it's, it's a wonderful song.
2: And meanwhile, he's got this other layer going on where he's hearing about these beautiful relationships in these pop songs. You know, he, Right. He, he writes a love song. Song to the hiss of the tape and the, the crackle of the vinyl in Sound of Summer. The Sound of Summer is not the birds and the bees. It's the vinyl crackling and the yeah, tape hissing. Yeah. And at the same time, he's saying things don't work out the way they get sung. I mean Mm -hmm. that's to me The essence of what He's singing about He's hearing these Great pop songs This is how the life Should be And yet here's the Reality of my life And it's not so cool Hey this
5: guy's a genius Maybe it's just because He's a lot like you and me I don't know (laughs) I'm gonna admit that Right up front But we rate things here On Buy It Burn It Trash It We're gonna be using The scale a lot On this record review show This is a buy it record Eddie (laughs) Argos Needs and deserves Your money
2: folks They are one of those Bands with bang bang Rock and roll You thought this could be One of the greatest One hit wonders of all time You're thinking If that's all they give us it had have been worth it, but yeah. here they come back with a record that I think is every bit as good as that one. Absolutely, it's a bit complicated. Buy it, folks. Queens of the Stone Age with a song called Threes and Sevens from their new album, Era Vulgaris. The main songwriter, guitar player, and the brains behind Queens of the Stone Age since its inception in the late 90s, five albums ago, is one Josh Hami. Uh, if you go to Europe, apparently it's pronounced Josh Home, and some people like just call him Homie. Hami right. seems to be the one that we've settled on lately. Josh Homme, six feet seven inches tall, two hundred and fifty pounds. He could be playing linebacker in the NFL. He was in a great great metal band from uh, the desert country in Southern California in the early 90s called Caius. Out of Caius came Queens of the Stone Age. What was wonderful about Queens of the Stone Age, and still is to a large extent, is they were in some ways satirizing heavy metal and at the same time celebrating it. They derided the the heavy testosterone of uh, heavy metal, but at the same time they were playing these big riffs and they were bringing a sensuality to it that I think was missing in metal at the time. That self-titled first Queens of the Stone Age record that came out in 1998 uh, still, I think, is one of the landmark works of that era in the way it sort of reinvented metal for a new era. This is their fifth record. Let's listen to a track from it before we review it. To my mind, it, it's one of those tracks where he's starts to talk about some of the issues facing this band because there have been some internal problems within the band. Nick Oliveri, his longtime songwriting partner and friend, uh, was booted out of the band a couple albums ago. To some degree, some people say the band has never been the same since Oliveri uh, left. We're going to discuss that in a minute, but here's a song where I think he's addressing some of those issues of being in in the spotlight and how he's dealing with it. It's called I'm Designer from Queens of the Stone Age on Sound Opinions.
1: a steady job.
5: Queens of the Stone Age from their fifth album, Era Vulgaris, a song called I'm Designer. Greg, I think it's one of the standouts for me on this uh, record. It's, a, it's sort of a sneering anti-consumerist screed tapping into that no-logo spirit of uh, Generation Y, which I don't think uh, gets celebrated enough <laughs> in the era of everybody selling out. Some people, as you alluded to earlier, would say that Josh Homie has sold out. Uh, and certainly, I think since losing Oliveri, it's been a lot like Metallica when it parted ways with its bassist. In some ways, Oliveri was the real metal soul of this group. <laughs> and since then, we've been getting a uh, increasingly pointless series of celebrity cameos. On their last album, the Queen's last album, Lullabies to Paralyze, we got Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top and Shirley Manson of Garbage. This time, Trent Reznor stops by, Julian Casablancas so of The Stroke stops by. Look, it, it's a great basic sound. You know, you said uh, Desert Rock, it was also a cornerstone band, Caius, of what has come to be called the Stoner Rock movement, putting the psychedelia. Back in heavy metal as it was in the early 70s really returning to having brains and trippiness in heavy metal along with melody and I think there's a lot of bands that are doing that today uh, certainly we've talked about a lot of them on the show the Queens did it great <laughs> were second to none on their first three albums I didn't like Lullabies to Paralyze and, and I'm not crazy about Era Vulgaris I, I like the song 666 sick, sick. I like Turning on the Screw I like the song we just played I'm Designer and then the uh, Boy, that's it for me.
2: Well, i got to tell you, Jim, at first I was a little bit underwhelmed by this record because I wasn't hearing the huge hooks other than for a couple of songs, but after a few listens it really kicked in for me. I think uh, Josh Homme is a masterful guitar player, and what he brings to the guitar in terms of his tone, the way he plays, it assumes a different voice with almost every song, And the second thing he's a master of is that sexy rhythm. I think one of the things that was missing in metal, one of the things he hated about it, was that it wasn't really sexy anymore. And a lot of metalheads are rejecting Queens of the Stone Age, is even saying it's not a metal band at all. I mean, they were booed at Ozfest in 2000. I don't think that bothers uh, Hami at all. I think he's created kind of a, a sound that is uniquely his own. And I think this is a return to form. I would say the best albums that they made are the first one... And the second to last one, uh, Songs for the Deaf, which did have a number of cameos on it. Mark Lanigan was a vocalist on that record. Dave Grohl was drumming on this record. This one is relatively cameo-free. I mean, Julian Casablancas supposedly sings on this record. I can't figure it out, what song he's on and, and where his vocal presence is. But I think as a showcase for Hami as a great guitar player and a master of those sensual rhythms, I think this is a terrific record. It's one of those oh, records wow. I get
5: lost in, and I, I would say buy it. It's one of the, one of the three best... Queen's record. I would say go buy everything and anything that High on Fire or Sleep has done well before uh, this record. It's, it's a burn it record. I like those three tracks. I like them a lot. But otherwise, I think Homie's beginning to phone it in. That is a song that you
2: uh, probably remember if you were listening to radio at all in 1987. That's Don't Dream It's Over. Huge worldwide number one hit for the band Crowded House. We're going to be reviewing their new record coming up next on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, along with the new record from rapper T.I.
1: never see the end of the road
3: while you're
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
5: That is a song called Even a Child, probably the most upbeat tune on Time on Earth, the first new album from Crowded House in 14 years. Uh, who were Crowded House, Greg, as you said? huge hit. Years ago, number one around the world, uh, they came out of a band called Split Ends. Neil Finn, the the guy who put the band together, was born in New Zealand, except he uh, formed the group Crowded House after the end of Split Ends in Melbourne, Australia. There is a cult following for this band boy. People who love Neil Finn, they just love everything he does, and he can walk on water. In fact, to get a little bit of a taste of what he means in certain quarters, I read some of the reviews, uh, early reviews from this album, uh, from the uh, New Zealand and the Australian Press mm-hmm. And they are greeting it, in fact, one of them admitted and said, this is the best thing we could imagine, second to a new Beatles album <laughs> by the actual Beatles, which is hard because the Beatles you know half of them are dead, right in Crowded House, the only one who's dead is the drummer Paul Hester. He died in two thousand and five, and apparently this album was going to be a Neil Finn solo record, time on Earth, until moved by the death of his former bandmate, Finn decided. Let's call this Crowded House And let's get back uh, with uh, bassist Nick Seymour And multi-instrumentalist Mark Hart Let's put the band back together Mm -hmm. Why not? Everybody else is doing it these days The police are back Everybody's back Nobody stays retired unless they're dead Uh, So now we have new Crowded House music For the first time in a decade and a half Let's play a song from this album And see what we think about it when we return This is called She Called Up By Crowded House on Sound Opinions
1: She called up and game all it took us all pushed apart the mountains and the tide it took us all called.
2: Up from Crowded House's fifth studio album, Time on Earth, first since 1993, as Jim mentioned. Boy, as soon as I heard that song, I'm thinking something so strong, right? Their other. You know, this was not a one hit wonder, this was a two hit wonder band. They had. Uh, they had the massive hit with Don't Dream It's Over, which was a, a, a number one song. And then they had another top ten hit with Something So Strong in that same year. And that's a pretty much of a direct rewrite of that track. Although you're thinking up-tempo and kind of soulful, but you listen to the lyrics. And clearly, as you mentioned, Jim, the death of drummer Paul Hester weighs heavily on this record. And that you can't help but think, was that the phone call that he got from one mm-hmm. of Hester's loved ones saying when she you know, he found up, out yeah. that, uh, that he was dead? And that is by far one of the more up-tempo songs on this record. The rest of it is a very moody, dark, somber, melancholy record. The beautiful melodies are there, but this, for the most part, sounds like a Neil Finn solo record. What did Crowded House actually contribute as as a unit to the music-making of Neil Finn? Uh, the drumming is so buried in this record. So non-existent. It feels like they could have hired anyone to to replace Paul Hester. The bass playing, Nick Seymour is a fine bass player, and you can hear those kind of melodic bass lines in the background, but, you know, it's a very placid mellow record and there's not a lot of experimentation on it until later on in the record where he has some voiceovers from a german airport where he starts to get a little experimental yeah but for the most part (laughs) this is exactly the way you would predict it would sound and i'm trying to think did i miss a memo somewhere was there this big outcry for a crowded house reunion because i don't really understand why they got to back together. Oh, probably from and their, their accountants. They made... There was a big outcry
5: from their accountants yeah. to put the band back together. And, and why they made a record that Neil Finn could have easily made on his own. I, you know, I don't know, Greg. I, call me a heathen. I'm just not perhaps mature enough to appreciate the uh, the charm of Neil Finn's songwriting. I didn't like Split Ends. I didn't like Crowded House. I didn't <laughs> like Neil Finn's solo. It was one of those things. It was too twee and twinkly and and prissy and 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 songwriterly for me you know i'm like i don't know it was too fussy you know what i mean i was like give me the chills out of new zealand any day give me flight of the concords that's the best music i'm excited about out of new zealand today i didn't want a new crowded house album and and i greeted this one skeptically if it was great Fine. But instead, I had a really hard time not tuning out. I mean, you know, I kept putting it on when I was doing different things and, and it w- was not holding my attention. I listened to this record six times and I still can't hum, you know, more than one or two hooks for you from it. It's it's a trash at record as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh,
5: it's really dull. And
2: uh, as I said, <laughs> a- after that first couple of couple of hit songs for Crowded House, it was kind of downhill for the band. Uh, and as I said, I don't I don't hear the groundswell of like, come on, we need another ground yeah. Crowded House record. They're just filling up the air with another kind of really mediocre adult pop record. And Lord knows we don't need more of those. It is a trash It record. That is the rapper T.I. with Big Things popping. the first single from his fifth studio record, T.I. versus T.I.P. This is the biggest-selling rapper of 2006. His uh, 2006 release, King, sold 1.5 million copies, by far the biggest hip-hop release of last year. He quickly returns with the follow-up record. Um, Clifford T.I. Harris Jr. from Atlanta has emerged as one of the biggest rappers in the country Uh, Not just the epitome of that dirty South Atlanta sound, but uh, in competition now with uh, Jay-Z and 50 Cent and Eminem as the preeminent MC of this generation. And he's done it very quickly. This is a guy who's had a very complicated life. In Atlanta, he grew up running drug jobs with his uncle when he was eight years old. He has been arrested several times on drug and gun charges. Several of his friends were, have been gunned down. In fact, last year, uh, one of his bodyguards was killed at a nightclub that T.I. was attending. Yet at the same time, now at age 26, he has built a small entertainment empire. He has starred in uh, movies. He was in that movie ATL last year. He's about to star in a movie with Denzel Washington. It's going to be released later this year. Um, he's got a clothing line, he's got a gym shoe line he is he owns a record label he owns uh, he owns a, a a car dealership he yeah. owns nightclubs uh this guy does greg face it you and i are the only ones who don't have a clothing line i'm telling you and, and meanwhile he's, he's he's had five kids this is an interesting guy I've, I've talked to him a couple of times he has a number of children ranging in age between like two and ten uh, so he's raising these five kids, he's got this uh, lavish lifestyle that he's living, and yet he's had this incredibly difficult, crime-ridden childhood. So that sets up this new album, T.I. versus T.I.P. Tip is what he was known as a young drug dealer. Uh, many of his early songs and several songs on this record deal with his drug-dealing past. T.I. is the businessman that has come up to replace him. So essentially, this album is T.I. and T.I.P. talking to one another, trying to resolve their differences. Let's play a track from it. Help is coming from the new T.I. album, T.I. vs. T.I.P. on Sound Opinions.
4: Help on the way. Help on the way to say the game in trouble, help on the way. Hey, Fret hey, not out here. Yep on the way. Hey, hey, Help on the way. I got you, bitch. on the way to say the game in trouble, help on the way. what you worried for? on the way. Hey, have hey, hey, I ever know. let you down before? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. I got the game on lock. Uh, standing on top. Say hello to the man who can say hello, bro. Hey hey, 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 say, hello to, say hello to the man who can say help, bro. Say, bro. Your hey. hey. say your hand and they gon' say hello. Say hello to the hey. man hey. who can say hey. hello. Hey up in the records ain't selling, it was bad, no six get worse, no sell, the market oversaturated with all the bootlegging, when it's getting better, shout out, ain't no telling, well, Kyle y'all get him a messy. then hit Kyle, tell him, tell Kevin, Craig, Julie, Green, while all of them pressing. that 50B gave me was a sound investment. best, time around, we gon' sell five, no less than four, on a slow day, cops, we got to bed, yeah, by the way, if you a winner, I'm the one you should bet, we hit Jay, tell them we the wrong nigga to bet, yeah, grand hustle, homie, I'ma make you respect, yeah, say the market shares down, so the line effect, tell the labor, relax, and they don't need She's the, the game trouble, help on the way. Don't worry about that, help on the way. Say the game in trouble, help on the way. I got this she's she's all the way. The game on the way. Don't worry about yeah. help on the way. Say game on the way. help the help on the way. the the
5: That is a track called Help Is Coming by T.I. from his fifth album, T.I. vs. T.I.P. I I was eager to play that one, Greg, because I think it's one of the strangest uses uh, in hip-hop of an organ ever. (laughs) You've got this thing that's midway between yes and deep purple, and and T.I. flowing in his frenetic style over that, really fast, actually. It's not typical southern sound. He is the self-proclaimed king of the south. I think there is the nugget of a brilliant idea on this album – in that, uh, you know, he, he's fighting between these two personas, the businessman, as you said, T.I., and the old drug-dealing self, T.I.P. Unfortunately, it's a completely failed opportunity. You know, last week when we did the panel discussion about the state of hip-hop and the use of some words, the N-word... Bitches, hoes, and people criticizing that. One thing a couple of uh, listeners said is, well, where were the people defending the use of those words? Yeah, they're pretty vile, but what's the other side of the story? Here's this album's going to debut at number one, and T.I. is offering his response uh, in the person of, of responding to Oprah, who was one of the most outspoken critics of these words in hip hop. What does he have to say to Oprah? Hey, you know, the N-word, uh, hoes and, and bitches, they do exist. I ain't making this up. You know, and it's like, man, what you know? What are you talking about? You know, it's like, that's the best you can do. You're pandering by using these hateful words that many people find offensive. He's just not doing anything artistic with them. He's just dropping foul words and, and, and playing up to cliches. There isn't really a difference between T.I., the modern record mogul and businessman, and T.I., the street businessman who was selling drugs. This could have been a, a, a great idea, but I, I think it's mainly a blown premise. Yeah, I I agree with you to an extent. It's definitely a blown promise. It comes out in three
2: acts. the big problem here is that you've got a couple of stars who need each other. Uh, TI needs T I P and T I P needs T I. And and they finally get together at the start of Act Three, where they're talking where T I is talking to himself, himself yeah. in the mirror. They they come together and they have an argument.
4: You see, if you recall back your trap music, meet me in yeah, the mirror. He's man. Once before. Come to the mirror, man. I thought we had this under control, though, you know what nah, I'm saying? Oh, I man. I told you I was going to let you do this shit oh, for man, hold a minute, up, man. I'm talking, man. You man, see. can't set me up, man. I got it from you on that.
2: Well, it's kind of a, a, a played conceit in hip hop. I mean, think about Eminem with, you know, Slim Shady and Marshall Mathers. He's got these personas. Puff Daddy, how many pseudonyms has he has yeah, he taken yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Jay Z even has taken on numerous pseudonyms over the years. There was a rap, a rap record released several years ago by a guy named Cassidy called Split Personality, mm-hmm. which essentially did a three act version of the same thing that T.I. is talking about here. So it's nothing new, but it is interesting because personality, the predominance of personality, is really what hip hop's all about. The thing is, this album doesn't get interesting until there's the conflict in the third act between these two sides of his persona. And that's where it really gets interesting. As you said, I think the gangsta stuff in Act 1 where he's the the tip personality and the playboy businessman model in Act 2 where he's sort of doing the southern version of Jay-Z, that's played out. You know, we've heard that so many times. It's become a cliche. But it does get interesting. I think there is a little depth in Act 3. Tell him I said that. Respect this hustle. My type. I would I would uh, burn those tracks and sample what this guy might be capable of. I just wish he'd made an entire album with as much thought and conflict in it and tension as those three tracks bring to the table.
5: Well, it's tough. Yeah, I, I do like moments. Uh, you know, I, I love the organ. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. I, that's a wacky idea to rap over, yes, organ. But uh, I can't even say it's a burn it. it, it I think it's a trash it record. It's, it's too bad. Burn the three tracks I mentioned. The
2: rest is pretty disposable. You've heard it all before, including on TI albums, the previous four TI albums. So uh, you just need those last three tracks. Uh, It's it's a burn it for me. As always, we love to hear from you, our listeners. So give us a call with your opinions about this show or anything else we talk about on Sound Opinions at 1-888-859-1800 or send us an email at interact at soundopinions.org.
1: Can you hear me now?
5: Ah, Greg, that's a little bit of the new Shellac album with Steve Albini ranting about radio, a standout track called The End of Radio. We're going to review that new Shellac album and the new album by Spoon, Gaga, 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 when we come back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Radio. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. There's another song from the Chicago trio, Shellac, from their fourth album called Excellent Italian Greyhound. That track... Is called Steady as She Goes. Greg, this is not a prolific or particularly timely band. <laughs> it's been seven years, amazingly, since the last shellac album. That's almost half the time that Crowded House was apart, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They all have day jobs. Unbelievable. Well, yes, and that's why they're most famous. Mr. Albini, Steve Albini, leader of this band, is the celebrated recordist. Don't call him a producer or. He'll uh, get medieval on your butt, right? (laughs) Albini has worked with Axe Great, Page and Plant, PJ Harvey, Nirvana's In Utero, and Small. You know, anybody who wants can hire out his studio for a couple hundred bucks a day, come in, and knock out a record in 12 hours. He is a very utilitarian, blue-collar, says, you know, you hire a plumber to fix your pipes, you hire me. To record great rock sounds and indeed one of the things that's great about shellac is is the way those records sound i mean to me they make records like the best blue note jazz albums of the 50s even when the group wasn't on or particularly a great group the way that they sounded just had a magic to them you know and albini kind of favors that old-fashioned recording technique one microphone in the room Ooh. this is what it sounds like if you were standing in the middle of of albini's guitar and vocal todd trainer's drums and bob weston's bass. The other guys are no slouches. Trainer has done some great solo albums. He's been in some really cool underground bands. Weston was a guest on Sound Opinions not long ago when he's now part of uh, Mission of Burma doing the behind the scenes stuff. They have all worked in the studio with Albini. They're all masters at getting sounds themselves. And every once in a while they get together and some people go bowling. Some old friends get together and play poker. These guys make this harsh, abrasive, experimental noise rock live and on album. As I said, it's been a long wait for excellent Italian Greyhound. Now it's here. Let's get into our uh, thoughts about it after we play this track. It's called Be Prepared. It's uh, one of the ones that spotlights Albini's vocals and guitar on Sound Opinions. (laughs) Born
6: wearing pants. Be prepared. Don't be alarmed. We mean you no harm. Be
5: prepared.
2: That is uh, Shellac with the song Be Prepared from their fourth album, Excellent Italian Greyhound. This is a band that uh, has tongue very firmly in cheek on a number of songs on this record, and uh, it's terrific when they do. We play that song, The End of Radio, at the outset. Minimalist band in a lot of ways. Uh, drums, bass, and guitar, and they never really veer much from that formula or format, no overdubs, but, no but, way. Uh, within those apparently narrow parameters, they get, they get a lot of mileage and a lot of variety. The end of radio enables uh, Albini to put on this theatrical guise as the last DJ on Earth, broadcasting, yeah, yeah. making the last <laughs> broadcast out to a, a dead planet. And in be prepared uh, again, the tongue firmly in cheek, uh, you know, the sarcasm just dripping from that song. At the same time, they're they're dishing out some powerful rock music. This is a band that as you said Jim the recording is pristine no band sounds quite like shellac simply because of the way they're recorded you can hear the drums, you can hear the bass and you can hear the guitar, they're on an even plane, there's none of this compression
5: that mucks up a lot of commercial studio recordings and I didn't literally mean they use only one microphone what I'm trying to say is that that that's how they play you know, John Paul Jones always said of John Bonham, he could play a piece of cardboard and it would still sound like John Bonham and these guys attack their instruments in that way, Albini has a very underrated guitar sound, hugely influential I forgot to mention this up top. Through the 80s in the indie rock era with Big Black and followed up with Rape Man where he first played with Trainer, a lot of indie underground noise rock would not exist today oh, if I, it hadn't I, have been for the ground that Albini blazed. Absolutely not. And I think it's
2: off-putting to some people who are used to the very processed, very compressed recordings that you hear on radio and most commercial recordings to hear – well. This is what a real band sounds like. I mean, yeah. those drums yeah, are right up yeah. front. They're right in your face. Todd Trainer's a terrific drummer. Amazing You can guy. hear every note he plays. Every little cymbal mm-hmm. tickle is, is right, right in your face. Massive bass sound. And as you said, the guitar playing... There's times where it sounds like a trash compactor, and I mean that with total reverence because he, you know, he's intentionally not playing blues chords or blues motifs. I mean, he
5: is inventing a new vocabulary for yeah, this didn't instrument. Didn't he credit himself during Big Black's days <laughs> with guitar sking Yes, that's what he played, guitar sking So, so what we have here is a is a truly
2: when people talk about terms like indie rock and punk rock or post punk, what does it mean? You start in this direction here, folks, and then work your way backward. Uh, yeah. That's what this band is doing. Uh, at the same time, they can tax your. Endurance. Oh, uh, they can suck. There's a track in the middle of this record, Genuine Lullabell, yeah. that, well, it might be interesting to listen to once, but I can't see myself voluntarily going back and listening to that track for another nine minutes and enduring that. At the same time, there's a couple of instrumentals tucked in here, kind of almost like you think there's this two minute throwaway called Kitty Pants which actually is one of the most melodic things Albini's ever played on guitar. It, it's kind of this just stuck at the end of the record in this kind of cool contemplative melody which shows a side of shellac that I didn't even know they had. Mm. So there's some really cool things dotted in this record It's not a complete masterpiece. I think there are some throwaway things on here. But I would say tracks like The End of Radio, Steady As She Goes, Be Prepared, Kitty Pants, as
5: good as anything they've done. You've got half of a great record here. So I'd have to say burn it. Well, you know, Albini's never been consistent. You know, he's he's a polarizing figure. I think he's a schizophrenic figure, even within his own beliefs. He would dump all over a Billy Corgan for a ten-minute track, right? Like the new Smashing Pumpkins song, yeah. "United States," and yet, you know, he he feels no compulsion to stay away from a song like "Genuine Lullaby," which is almost ten minutes long and goes nowhere too. So consistency is not his strong point. And at this point, I think Shellac is very much like a Busman's Holiday for them, and it's taking longer and longer for all three of the. These members to come together it doesn't sound like it was cooked long enough this album except the stuff that's really well done like you said a- end of radio and be prepared i mean those are just great songs I-, I wish the entire album was that good yeah i think half of thousand hertz the 2000 record that we got from them last was excellent half of this record is excellent if we put those two excellent <laughs> halves together we'd have a masterpiece as it is this is a burn it record <laughs>
0: In the living room, your pipe and slippers set out for you. I know you think that it ain't too far, but I I hear a call of a lifetime ring, of the need to get up for it. Oh, you cut out the middle man, can from the middle man. You got no type of messenger, got no regard for the thing.
2: That is a track from the new Spoon album, Ga. ga ga ga, ga. And I am not stumbling, uh, as I am wont to do occasionally, but not then. That is the word ga G-A, five times. Apparently a chord sequence from one of the songs on the new Spoon album. The sixth studio album from the Austin, Texas band, led by one Brit Daniel. The band formed in the mid-90s, just at the tail end of that alternative rock era, And has produced six studio albums since then. Uh, The core of the band, Daniel on guitar and vocals, the primary songwriter. Jim Eno, the drummer, they have been the the two constants in the band uh, throughout its history. New album with production by Mike McCarthy on most of the songs. That particular track that we played at the very top, uh, a track called The Underdog, was produced by one John Bryan in Los Angeles, uh, who we've had as a guest on the show. And you hear the introduction of some horns on that track. Uh, There's some interesting sonic tangents for Spoon on this particular album. We're going to talk about them in a second, but first let's play a track that shows you some of the other new directions that the band is moving in. Here's You Got Your Cherry Bomb from Spoon on Sound Opinions.
0: Life could be so fair Let it go and along i um. go yourself
5: she is the Austin, Texas art punk band Spoon, with a song called You Got Your YR, period, Cherry Bomb. These guys clearly have a thing with weird titles. The <laughs> album is called Ga 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 Ga, and it's coming to us from Merge Records, Greg. I think that's part of the key to understanding this. Merge, instantly this year, became one of the most successful independent American rock labels ever, with Arcade Fire going gold. And Arcade Fire is going to be on our show next week, interestingly enough. And and I think Spoon is right on the cusp of breaking that big. After nearly a decade where they've been peddling in the underground, slowly but surely expanding a basic sound, I think very much in a career arc similar to Modest Mouses, Mm -hmm. I think they're ready to explode. You know, they did the soundtrack for that film Stranger Than Fiction last year. Their music has been popping up in commercials, and they've been getting better and better at the same time. They essentially had a very uh, basic, simple idea initially early on, two big heroes, I think, talking heads and wire the english art punk band and it was stripped down it was minimalist they were making a lot out of simple guitar patterns out of that driving keyboard one note repeated over and over and over again and you know minimalist kind of impressionistic almost haiku like lyrics by brit daniel and now i think much like the talking heads and wire both of them in 1980 expanded the sound in a way that made listeners hit themselves in the head, the talking heads with Remain in Light and Wire with 154, where suddenly people said, oh, now I get it. All that weird angular stuff under all of that. This was a great dance band (laughs) and one that had great hooks. I think that's the moment the spoon is at right now because by bringing in the horns and – being groovier than they Mm -hmm. ever have in a less angular way Uh, there's a lot of Stax motown soul on this record wow you know whoever knew that was in them uh, i think that they're just uh, this is a great 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 album it's got me really excited yeah it's uh it's very minimalist in a
2: lot of ways still it's very stripped down and yet they've added more instruments to the palette it's the way they use them that that's so unique ten songs maybe thirty six minutes Nothing overstays its welcome I just love the way they think about rhythm Everything's a rhythm instrument in this band The the hand claps, the piano, the guitar, the tambourine Jimmy, you know I'm surprised you, my drummer friend Jim DeRogatis, <laughs> did not just go ga 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 over this guy's drumming. I've this been record. there for the I've, guy's I've been there
5: since their second album. I've been a fan of Jimmy. Eno. he's like the really the only yeah. constant in this band. Yeah. it's been a revolving door, much like Modest Mouse has been. I think Mr. Daniel can be a little hard to get along with. Yeah, but Eno's been at his side throughout. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's the key to this record. It, it is a
2: very groove-oriented record. He throws those hooks out kind of almost like little teases. He never mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you never feel the overblown chorus coming on, but at the same time, 3 days later, you're humming this little in hook your in your head yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. got he's he's got gotcha. you. And and that's what I like about this band ever since I would say the Girls Can Tell record, and in particular, Kill the Moonlight in 2002. I really, really started appreciating what this band was doing on a very minimal level. And and this is a record, I think this is like the third or fourth really good record they made in a row. Sooner or later, as you said, people are going to figure out, Spoon's a great
5: band. Yeah. Uh, and maybe this is the record. It's a buy-it record. Absolutely, Greg. Uh, I love this record to pieces. It's a buy-it for me, too. I mentioned a minute ago what we have on the show next week. Remind our listeners. Yes, indeed. The Arcade Fire label mates of uh, Spoon with the band we just talked about. They're
2: going to be in the studio for a lengthy interview with two of the key members of the band. We're going to be playing lots of music from one of
5: the most talked about bands of 2007. Good stuff. We got some thank yous to say. Sound Opinions is produced, as always, by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Salvana, and Robin Lynn, with Chuck the Intern. Serving as our intern. Uh, <laughs> and Tori Southside Malati is our executive producer, our fearless leader, and a man about whom uh, I don't think it's any exaggeration, Greg, for us to say we are gaga, Ga-ga-ga. gaga. Yeah, gaga, <laughs> ga-ga. <laughs> gaga,
2: On sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline 1 859 1800.
0: Two, two. Telephone, telephone. Telephone.
4: Telephone.
3: New messages.
4: Hey, this is Jake Willis from Chicago.
2: I was kind of bothered you guys put the Bengals walk like an Egyptian in your top listening list. Because that's I whistle. That's an analog synthesizer. You should listen to that again. You should... Yeah, I should put Andrew Bird on that list. Uh, that's a that's a killer whistler. Uh, yeah, it's a great cheddar. Have a good one.
1: Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting
4: when the evening comes, watching the ships roll in. And then
3: I yeah, John calling from Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, best whistling moments in rock history. I, I,
5: I yeah, I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to, you know, put in a you Certainly, Doc of the Bay, Otis Redding, you know. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard, Paul Simon, right?
3: And, and of course, scorpions. Winds of <laughs> winds of change.
6: Okay, I can't believe I did that. It must be the booze talking. Anyway, great show. Bye.
4: Hey guys, my name is
3: Lance and I'm calling from Park Forest. Just heard a promo for your show that features great whistling parts in rock and roll. Now,
2: the song is Reba, the band is Fish, and
4: it is by far one of the most, the hottest whistling parts in rock and roll. I'm sure there's other ones I
3: can't think of anything off the
4: top of my head, but being a Fish fan, that jumped out when you guys when i heard root whistling jumped out at me so maybe you guys can give it a shot the song is reba
2: the band is fish my name is lamb you guys do a great show
6: thanks a lot i'll keep listening bag it
4: tag it sell it to the butcher in the store oh. bag it tag it it to the butcher in the store bag it tag it sell it to the
3: butcher the store oh, bag it. hi this is annie from chicago illinois a great song that has whistling in it is mockingbird by palliard a chicago band thanks bye Kathy from Rochester, Minnesota. When thinking of whistling in a song with a purpose, the good, bad, and the ugly theme song will forever be burned in my brain. Um, it expresses that location, the desert, the subject of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it's just such a wistful song that I um, couldn't help but say so. Bye for now. <coughs>